0: Season three, three banana, season three, na it season 3 banana. Jeff and Scott and Mrs. C, with Blanche and John, the crew, a new movie. It's so much fun that you'll have, have to pee. pee. It's gonna cure your apathy, and I'm weak. It's the Slumgullion, slum, slum. slum, we're slum. still booking guests still the Slumgullion. Slum. Slumgullion, slum. slum, you're not getting guests on, on the Slumgullion. Slumgullion, slum, she'll slum. 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 probably fade on the Slumgullion. Slum. Slum. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Slumgullion, the universe's only podcast. I am Jeff. Three hours behind me is Scott. And on this special day today, we are talking about Kent State. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nobody cares about that. We're talking Star Wars.
1: Which uh, is also pretty much dead.
0: Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, come on now. There is, unlike unlike those students at Kent State, there is a little bit of hope on the horizon.
1: We did get some good news today. And, and we will get
0: to that in a second. But first off, for those of you who are still happy Star Wars fans, may the fourth be with you. I hate saying that, but I'm going to say it anyway. It is indeed a day to celebrate Star Wars. Um. Okay. Yeah, sure. Disney Plus dropped The Rise of Skywalker. It does have a bunch of special features. I'm almost tempted to watch the feature-length documentary to see how the mess was created, but I don't know if I want to. Because we know, unlike The Last Jedi's documentary, we know that this one is is going to be very, very one-sided. However, also dropped today is the final episode of The Clone Wars and the first episode of the multi-part documentary about season one of The Mandalorian. And um, I watched all of them. I did not watch Rise of Skywalker, but I did, I watched, I actually watched the last four episodes of the Clone Wars this morning. I woke, as I told you before we started, and I was waiting the final episode before I watched the final arc. I wanted to watch it all in one sitting. I wanted to binge the last four episodes to see a, the, the final, for lack of a better word, Clone Wars film, Yeah, because all four episodes do pretty much flow seamlessly into one another. They could edit this into a film.
1: Well, nothing's stopping them. They used to do that in the 70s, but of course those were with, with failed series usually. Uh, like. Yes,
0: yes. And, and, and I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Scott, I know you said that um, you, you have not watched The Clone Wars in a while. But um, I would definitely suggest not even watching all of of season seven. I didn't even watch all of season seven because much like a lot of the books in the expanded universe, I don't care. But I did want to see the siege of Mandalore and the execution of Order 66 and how the Clone Wars actually would tie into Revenge of the Sith. And I got to tell you, Scott, I'm going to say this again, this time on public record. If Revenge of the Sith had been half of the movie this Clone Wars film is, Revenge of the Sith would have been an amazing film.
1: I know. It's like somebody built some great white elephant house, you know, on a rocky crag in Rhode Island, overlooking the ocean, and... For one thing and another, because it was cold and it was damp, and the pipes always froze, or whatever reason, it was infrequently occupied. And then it became one of those places that locals talk about in hushed tones. And uh, a rumor started going around that a whole family was murdered there, and that's why no one ever lives there. Well, no, no one ever lives there, just because it's a it's a crappy eyesore that's been falling apart for generations. That's pretty much how I think of the prequels, And Dave Filoni, I think of as Bob Vila, who's (laughs) gone into this old house and been rehabbing it. Clone Wars, Rebels. Filoni's job apparently has been to renovate the prequels, so we give a crap. And
0: And here's the thing, and what's really bizarre, just to take on what you just said seriously, what's really bizarre is the way, especially the last two episodes, I I sort of broached this briefly with you beforehand, but what I love about the last two episodes is that, that this is when Order 66 is going on, is it, since we've seen Revenge of the Sith, I mean, we already know everything that's going on, so the series focuses on Ahsoka and Rex, the last two episodes are basically about, since we saw everybody else, you know, how Ahsoka and Rex get out of it. And one of the things that I loved about everything before um, Order 66 is executed is there's, and this is unfortunately, you know, whether, whether I like the film or not, this is entirely because of Revenge of the Sith. Because of Revenge of the Sith, we know what's coming, and what Fil- Filoni does so well is the sense of dread. Yes. Before Order 66 happens, I mean, you know what's coming. You absolutely know what's coming. And um, you kind of see what's coming through the eyes of Maul.
1: Yes, I've heard that. Now, the interesting thing to me is that when Lucas did this, we knew what was coming. The fact that we knew what was coming let all the air out of the story. It just yes. deflated of any dramatic tension. Filoni, on the other hand, has, as you said, been taking the same events and using their inevitability to create dread. There's nothing you could do but just sit there and go, "Oh, don't do this, don't do this, please don't do this." And then it happens because it's a tragedy. Felloni did through the Clone Wars and those great few episodes in Rebels when Ahsoka meets Darth oh, Vader.
0: Oh god, yes, yes.
1: Succeeded in making Anakin Skywalker a tragic figure, which is what Lucas always insisted he was, but never had the chops. To actually make it, and that's what, I mean what, that's what I mean when he's. That's why I mean when I say Felloni's been rehabbing the entire prequels because now I always thought that Revenge of the Sith was the best of those three films.
0: It's, I agree. I agree with you. It's it's slightly less stinky than the other two.
1: Slightly less stinky. Now I I kind of want to go back and rewatch Revenge of the Sith because I sort of feel like it will have more heft and a little bit of more emotional weight because I've seen. I've seen Anakin and gotten to know him in the animated series, and he's an actual character that it is possible to have feelings about. Actually,
0: there's... I can't. I can't lie to you, Scott. I was thinking the same thing when I finished the last two episodes of the Clone Wars.
1: Oh, good. Okay.
0: I kind of, I kind of want to revisit not the whole trilogy, but I kind of want to revisit Revenge of the Sith.
1: Yeah, there's, there's not enough money in the world to get me to watch Attack of the Clones again.
0: Oh uh, no. <laughs> Well, Harle- you know, I re-
1: Harlequin romance for teens in space.
0: I remember, I remember when um, opening night of first off the Phantom Menace mom and I, cause mom and I saw all of the star Wars films, except for rise of Skywalker. Sadly uh, we saw all of the star Wars films opening weekend mm-hmm. and um, we actually got to see um, we went opening night for a Phantom Menace because it was of course the first star Wars film in forever. Yep. And, I remember the moment when both of us realized that we're doomed to, to use a phrase and it was the yippee. It was the yippee. It was the yippee. I remember this vividly, you know, Anakin's the little Anakin says yippee and bounces off and mom and I just looked at each other. <laughs> And we both had the exact same look on our face. Oh, God. Shit. And I asked her, I asked her after, when, as we were walking out of the film, um, she was like, I said to Rousseau, what did you think? And she said, I think the same thing you did probably not very good, was it? No. And then we saw Attack of the Clones. <laughs> And as much as we both hated Jar Jar Binks, no fault of Ahmed Best. I just want to say that right now. I do not blame him at all for that. Yeah, and again, no fault of Hayden Christensen, but once again, the lines he was given. I mean, let's face it, Natalie Portman is a phenomenal actor. Look at look at her performance in those movies.
1: I would look for it if there was one. If there was one. I mean, Liam Nees, fucking Ewan McGregor was
0: the only person that I think came out of the prequel trilogy okay.
1: Maybe he just had the balls to not listen to anything Lucas said as a director. Possibly Star Wars, which has reached its nadir, I think. It's in an even worse position than it was with with the prequels. Is is poised for a renaissance. That they're finally finding the right talent and turning it over to people who who know and love the property and, and have skills and talents to bring to it, and you were saying, well, even if, even if they have to get rid of Kathleen Kennedy, that's the most important thing. Get rid of Kathleen Kennedy. Because, here's the thing. Yes, she was handpicked by George Lucas to inherit his legacy. One major reason not to give it to her. Two, she learned filmmaking at the feet of a master. That master was George Lucas. That's stretching the term of a master. More to the point, she learned filmmaking from the prequel era George Lucas. Mm-hmm. So... Really, she must be stopped. And she's not the only one. Nobody at Disney understands that Star Wars is its own thing. And it's weird that they don't because they seem to understand that Marvel is its own thing. They seem to be willing to give Marvel its own space and let the people who have been guiding it continue to guide it. Disney seemed to think that just anybody could take Star Wars and make a success of it. And I think it's because, this is just my personal theory, that everybody who's in a decision-making position at Disney now is of an age where they were first gen Star Wars babies like we are and there's a certain presumption like us who have been living and breathing this stuff that if they just turn it over to us we could make good Star Wars and I think that was an assumption <laughs> made on the part of people in the executive suite at Disney and it was so so wrong <laughs> it was so but here's the
0: thing, uh, it's, I compl- I do agree with you on that, but here, as you said, um, that it might be time for a renaissance, and I I do believe that you could be right, because as we have discussed, the first season of The Mandalorian was quite, quite, quite entertaining, yes. um, I think that Jon Favreau was able to craft a phenomenal Star Wars story that had absolutely nothing to fucking do with the Skywalkers, thank you. And um, he got a great team around him. Filoni has proven he can direct live action. Um, He got a great group of directors there. And most importantly, with the news that I surprised you today, the best part of today's May 4th, for those of you who have not heard yet, it was officially announced by Lucasfilm that Taika Waititi... We'll be co-writing and directing an upcoming Star Wars film. Holy fuck. Thank you. The Force, yes. The man who saved Thor and did the finale of The Mandalorian is making a goddamn Star Wars movie. And I could not be fucking happier about this.
1: Oh, I, I agree. I mean, and, and again, I, I can just see the wheels turning in the executive suite. Well... One of our other valuable properties, Marvel, he took a faltering franchise and turned it around and, and created one of the, the most sterling entries. Arguably
0: one of the best MCU films.
1: Oh, I don't even think it's arguable. I mean, well, when you there look are, there at are it.
0: People, there, are, there are people who would argue with it. I think because it's one of the, of the best hum- films. Yes.
1: Yeah, people who think the tone is too comic. I think it's a comedy. Yes. I, th- I think it's, it's an MCU comedy with some action. And it works on, on, on those terms, even more so than I think Guardians of the Galaxy, which is basically well, a comedy.
0: Well, here's the thing. I mean, now, while Guardians of the Galaxy was very was just basically a comedy, the thing about Ragnarok, and this is the same way that I kind of feel about the finale of The Mandalorian, is it's very much a Taika Waititi film. Mm-hmm. You know, Taika Waititi's personality is all over that. Well, when you
1: find out that you find out retroactively that Odin, with his firstborn, basically conquered, raped and pillaged the universe and that that one line that Hela says. I'm of course we raped and pillaged the universe where do you think all this gold came from she says looking around at, at Odin's throne room and that's one of those things that you could say okay that is a ballsy bit of retconning of a character who had become beloved I think largely because of, of Anthony Hopkins' performance agreed and that seems like the kind of thing that would come from the mind of a guy who decided to make Hitler a kid's imaginary friend <laughs> I'm going to say it again God I fucking love Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I do too. I had a hard time making it up my mind about that movie when I walked out of it, but in retrospect, it's one—it's one of those movies where it gets you to think about it, and you—you you sometimes decide days or weeks later how you feel about it. But I mean, that's that's exciting. So they've got Favreau, they've got Filoni. they've brought—they've got Taika Waititi, they've got Kevin Feige. I, this... I and
0: I'm 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 while well, I am intrigued to see what he does at this point. All I care about is Taika Waititi because I've been a fan of his since what we do in the shadows, and especially after Mandalorian, which was granted Favreau's story to see his own take on Star Wars. Because while like while Thor Ragnarok, it was definitely you know Taika Waititi's Marvel film. I can't wait to see his Star Wars film. Thankfully, they're going to let him do what he wants to do.
1: Well, let's not. Let's not jump to that conclusion. It's still Disney. Disney is the biggest control freak in Hollywood. That is very true.
0: But look, again, I was surprised at how much of Watiti's personality came through Thor Ragnarok. I was not expecting it to be that. Him, if you know what I mean.
1: Well, that's what I mean when I said that Disney was smart enough to keep a light hand on the reins of the MCU because they had confidence in Kevin Feige. Very true. And and Kevin Feige does a good job of picking directors, standing behind them, and letting them do what they do best. Whereas the exact opposite happened in Star Wars. I mean, look at at the clusterfuck that was Solo when they they hired and fired the original writer-directors. So... If they decide to treat Star Wars the way they've been treating the MCU, even if that means stripping the MCU of its of its personnel and shifting them to Star Wars, that's fine. I mean, I would hate to see Feige spend less time in the MCU, but I still feel like Star Wars is on fire. Let's get the fire department over there to put it out.
0: It it needs to be. I don't even. I don't even think it needs to be Feige. I think Feige should stay at Marvel. I say give Star Wars to Filoni or Favreau.
1: Well, I think they will, but I'm I'm talking about Favreau is basically pinched from the MCU. Uh, point taken. He
0: Favreau is also basically. much like Filoni, though. Favreau is, he's one of us. Yes. That's the thing. Favreau is very much one of us. He may, he may be, he may like, you know, the Marvel movies, but he is a Star Wars geek.
1: And it's funny to think that he would be the one to really introduce this whole completely virtual film world that we saw in The Mandalorian with the CGI panels. Oh, which real
0: fast... Coming. Real fast, Scott, I got to tell you, the first episode of the documentary series is all about the directors. So they introduce mm-hmm. all the directors and you see a lot of footage of them directing on those sets.
1: Oh, wow! I'm looking forward to that.
0: You get to you get to see what those sets were like in action. Oh, my God. They even have one for space. Oh, I'm sure they, they showed the um, some clips of um. The scene—I can't remember what episode it is—but it's the scene. It's the sequence where um, where Mando is 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 fighting the other bounty hunter in space, and you see shots of the cockpit, and you see the screens with space around him, and you see them moving. Mm. It's the, the the set. This it's the Mandalorian set is utterly fascinating.
1: It is, and it's it's funny because uh, in one way, I still think of Favreau as this guy who came up out of indie films. Swingers, baby. Swingers, baby. And you know, and he is so money. He really is. He nowadays, especially. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, he's also a guy who really put the CGI to brilliant use in Iron Man. Yes. So it kind of makes sense that he has a feel for that. But the the state of Disney right now is there's a changing of the guard, and who knows how any. Studios are going to react coming out of quarantine and once the movie down, it's going again. So everything really is, is up in the air, but they have an advantage shooting things on a soundstage and making it look like they're out in the desert because that's going to allow them to shoot even if some restrictions are still in place for the mm-hmm. coronavirus. Sets can be much more chaotic when you're on location. Agreed. So I, I feel like things that were done in The Mandalorian... I feel like Disney Plus has become the farm club. In other words, they are trying things in TV where the stakes and costs are lower, trying to find a way to take Star Wars into new direction in motion pictures and keep the costs down. Because it's no longer a guarantee that you're going to make a billion dollars with every film. I've had some disagreements with other Star Wars fans on social media about this. I feel like every show they announce for Disney Plus is a tremendous expression of faith in the Star Wars brand. A lot of geeks seem to feel like, oh no, they're taking ideas that would have made great movies or great trilogies, and they're just throwing them away on television. I don't think that, I I think TV is serving as their proof of concept. Lot of to
0: anybody, to anybody who says that, all I would respond with is Ron Moore's Battlestar Galactica.
1: Right, but I feel like people are saying are saying things like, "Why aren't we getting an Obi Wan trilogy instead of a six episode show?" Well, we're, we're not. Well, there's a question of whether we're even going to get the six episode show. And my answer to that, when I was challenged by that question, was because there's not enough story for three movies. There's really not enough story. For six episodes, which is probably why the show is in so much trouble.
0: Not to mention, I don't give a flaming fuck about
1: the Skywalkers anymore. You know what? I I was embittered by the rise of Skywalker and the way it all ended. And I, I acknowledge that it was not necessarily entirely their fault. I mean, Carrie Fisher's death was a horrible blow to their business model as well as her fans' emotions. But... I can't remember who said this, but but some critic I follow said they really should have had the first movie be about the the original Trinity. It should have had Luke, Leia and Han reunited for whatever purpose and then use that movie to hand it off to the other characters, not introduce these other characters and then and then sprinkle the older characters in. And I I know partly why they did it was don't blow your load. Right. We want to build up to it. But they didn't do that. They killed Han in the first one. They killed Luke in the second one. They, I'm sure, fully intended to kill Carrie in the third one, but her death through that that whole plan aside. And what they did come up with was, as we all know, uh, a, a huge mess. But, but it started from a misconception about what the, the fans wanted to begin with. The fans did not want the slow tease. They did not want to see their, their beloved characters die individually, one per film. That's not what people wanted after 40 years. You, you said earlier, and I can't remember who you were quoting, that under no circumstances was J.J. Abrams the best person to, to direct the final film of the Skywalker trilogy because he, the one thing he cannot do is an ending.
0: That was our good buddy, Monsieur Probert.
1: Well, Monsieur Probert, as always, is right. A- and the thing was, it's not just that he was a bad choice for the last film. He was a bad choice for the first film, because of that same problem. All of the weaknesses that exploded in the final film were seeded in The Force Awakens and made almost inevitable. All, all the story discontinuities, the, the way the characters are, are scattered around the universe rather than pulled together for, for a common purpose. It's this slack approach to storytelling. And while he has gifts as, as a filmmaker, I don't deny that and I have enjoyed a lot of his stuff. I've never enjoyed all of any of his movies because they don't end well.
0: That's very true. I honestly can't say I have enjoyed an entire J.J. Abrams film period. No, selected parts. But... Yes. No, that's wow. That's that's very true. That is very true. Wow.
1: And that to me that says something else that's important that we as fans need to remember. That Star Wars was his franchise. He was not he was not into Star Trek. That was a paycheck for him. Yes. And in some ways that was not a bad thing because he really didn't care enough to screw it up. He didn't, he hadn't had something boiling in his soul all these years, and just had to get it out. What 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 a fan would do, a fan who was not necessarily other an otherwise gifted filmmaker, we <laughs> kind of do with we kind of do what the Force Awakens did, which is remake that movie you loved, and just throw some other stuff in it from fanfic. So if we had had somebody who was like an Irving it's like, like a, a director with with a, a pedigree and skills, but doesn't have an agenda. Who is a hired gun? I think it would have worked out a lot better. This is this is the, the dark side of hiring a fan because they just basically remake that movie they loved when they were nine, and that's you know as we all know that's what the the Force Awakens is is largely a remake of the first three films. So I, I feel like Abrams sort of doomed it to begin with, but you know what? That's Funny because we got that in the second Star Trek film when they basically remade Wrath of Khan, but uh, much, much worse.
0: Much, much, much worse. <laughs> much, God, much worse. I hated that movie. I hated that movie so much.
1: So the the first film, which I to this day, I defend the, the 2009 Star Trek reboot. I think it has a lot of charm. You're um, allowed. I, I think Chris Pine did a good job. I think everyone everyone delivered for the most part. You know what? I will, I will give you
0: that. I will give you that. I thoroughly enjoyed Carl Urban.
1: Carl Urban's great. Carl Urban was probably the best part of that.
0: But much like, like my problems with the uh, Discovery, I was sitting there going, "I don't want to see the past anymore. I don't care if it's an alternate p- timeline. I'm done with the fucking past. Can we get to the future, please?" It was starting there. I think that's part of the reason why I may be so overjoyed with Picard. Because after, how what's it been like 10 years since we've had a, the, the future of Star
1: Trek? What was the last new, probably some god awful, one of those god awful um, TNG movies? Was it, I was think it was last? Nemesis. Nemesis. Nemesis, probably. Um, I think it was on, Nemesis. On TV, and I think on it, was, TV it was Voyager. Oh, wasn't it Enterprise?
0: Well, Enterprise was a prequel, remember?
1: Right, right, right,
0: right. I'm talking right. about, like, you know, cur- like like the current timeline. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, the last thing that we saw was uh, was Nemesis because, like, yeah, because that was after Voyager because Voyager got home and then we had Nemesis because we had Admiral Janeway. Right.
1: So th- that did prove that the future of Star Trek can't be as sucky as the past of Star <laughs> Trek. But I agree with you. And, and as we said on the, the last Picard show, that was the thing that most won me over was that it took me to a place where I hadn't been before and where they did not have to spend most of their storytelling energy explaining plot holes because they had gone back and retreaded material and and now there's a bunch of stuff no longer makes sense. They they seem to have learned that lesson, perhaps. We'll we'll see. Um, but, it,
0: but I mean, it, it almost, I'm, I'm hoping, I, I, my, my fingers are crossed that, that, that Star Wars has officially learned that lesson. Um, like I said, The Mandalorian was able to do an entire first season with next to no reference to the Skywalkers. And that made me very happy. Um, season two is done, which makes me very happy. And they're already working on season three.
1: Well, that's great. I mean, let's be fair, though. The Mandalorian is also set in an earlier period.
0: Uh, very true. That, that, okay. that, is, that is, no, that is very true. However, however, it's not using characters that we already fucking know.
1: Right. To the point where the Mando really has never even heard of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. He has no clue what the Force is. He hasn't even heard the urban legends and the fairy stories. But let's not jump on the optimism bandwagon too enthusiastically, because they're already talking about movies set, you know, 300 years prior to the Skywalker. Well, you
0: know know, what? Stuff like that, if they do that, I would be be okay with that, because I know everybody wants an old, you know, wants like a a, a Republic movie, you know, or, or the old Republic movie. I would be fine with that. I just don't want any more... I just, I'm just tired of everything being connected to Palpatine and the Skywalkers.
1: Oh, I am too. I mean, the best Star Wars really, for a lot of people, has been the games. Not just because they can take part in it. Although, as a fan, that's what everyone wants. You want to be, you want to be in that movie.
0: Jedi Fallen Order, man. Fucking Jedi Fallen Order. Ugh.
1: Really, and and any of them. I mean, the Knights of the Old Republic uh, MMO that's still running.
0: I've heard yeah. I have heard that that, that 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 is a very good game. I did love BioWare's Knights of the Old Republic too. That Whoa, was a people, phenomenal Gary, game.
1: KOTOR is
0: still beloved. It has one of the best twists since I am your father. Right. Well as much fun as this is and as much fun as I'm having enjoying ruining Star Wars uh, <laughs> Time Dick is Time Dick is pointing his gun to the back of my head. So we are going to end it here. Um, our Picard episode is coming soon. We um, The recording went badly, but Scott is doing his damnedest to edit it. So it will be with you shortly. And we will be back with you with a UMC very soon. And until later, we end with a classic Star Wars tune.
1: Oh Jesus! You are a monster. You're a monster. Yes, I am. (sighs) Fine.
2: Just one more round, friend. Then homeward bound, friend Don't forget me in your dreams Just one more song, friend And then so long, friend The nights get shorter, it seems Just one more rhyme, friend Yes, it's a crime, friend But you know time, friend fly so it's good night friend good night but not goodbye just one more drop friend before we stop friend One more moment, face to face Next time you're dry, friend Try stopping by, friend If there's a light in the place We may not thrive, friend But we survive, friend Look, we're alive, friend You and I Good night, but not goodbye. Good night, friends. You're such a dear friend. You know I'm here, friend. Is that a dear friend in your eyes? Now it's good night, friend. Yeah.
0: Good
2: night, friend. Good night, but not...